I'm Julia Melville, and I'm running a series of podcasts looking at some of the different options that can support us to get beyond the thinking mind to help relieve and release stress, anxiety and fear. I am intrigued and fascinated by the language of energy, how energy impacts our minds and our bodies, the relationship we have with that energy, where we hold energy, how we use our energy and how we can shift our energy. With my own journey, I am continually exploring how to shift and release from the stories I was repeatedly telling myself from a young age. I am a BACP accredited psychotherapist and counsellor, and I worked for many years at a mental health charity before setting up my own private practice. Five years ago, I completed my Kundalini Yoga Level 1 teacher training, and this practice continues to support me every day of my life. I love teaching and showing people a different way of being beyond speaking. I'm also a Theta Healing practitioner and instructor. It's these three trainings that are intertwined through my work now as a mentor, supporting people to release unhelpful repetitive patterns of behaviour. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but it was recently whilst thinking about my own shifts that I decided to create a series of podcasts looking at different options, talking to inspirational people also working with well-being and healing in a variety of modalities. I really hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as I have enjoyed creating them. And in the words of John O'Donoghue, awaken to the mystery of being here and enter the quiet immensity of your own presence. Hello everyone and as part of the series um, of this podcast for Thinking Beyond the Negative Mind, I am delighted to introduce to you Poppy McLaughlin from Ensure Health. Poppy has been working as a naturopath and osteopath in Edinburgh since 2015. It's impossible for her to separate the two disciplines as they support each other. And without alignment in body, mind and nutrition, there can never truly be health in her opinion. Poppy is a health facilitator. She helps people find their own health and helps them restore it. Through her bodywork, she reminds their body what it feels like to be healthy and she facilitates and witnesses the body's return to health, which is really magical. And I myself have experienced this with Poppy. I had a a session with her not very long ago, and it really was magical. So I'm going to hand over to you, Poppy, now, just because I'd really love to know what brought you into this work and um, what do you love about it? And just tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Hi, everybody. Um, So I guess the first my first taste of uh, natural health, I suppose, was when I was struggling with um, a lot of digestive issues, which at the time I didn't realise that I was celiac. And uh, it wasn't until I was diagnosed quite late on that um, a lot of the things that I'd been experiencing made sense. Um, So digestive issues such as bloating, always needing to not be too far away from a bathroom, those kind of things. Um, Not great dinner party conversations, but um, (laughs) things that lots of people experience nonetheless. And um, so having been told that it was either all in my head or I was just um, not quite making it up, but relatively being dismissed, um, and kind of being late teens, early 20s, I, dis- I, I discovered that there were books about things like this. So I immediately went and read 
a whole raft of books, literally soaking it up like a sponge. And of course, then trying every single diet known to man, woman or child that were detailed in all of these books that I kept buying and reading uh, and borrowing from the library in those days too. And um, largely what I found was if I cut out some of the foodstuffs in my diet, I felt a lot better. Now, obviously being celiac, of course, if I cut wheat out, of course, I'm going to feel better. Um, then I was diagnosed with celiac disease and then um, I went into rebellion because I grew up in a household where food allergies really were not really acknowledged you know they how can my dad was a, a great one for how can your food be making you ill don't be so ridiculous um so it wasn't until after I, di I was diagnosed with celiac disease that I then um went into this massive rebellion all my friends were eating pies and chips and and drinking coke and so I wanted to be the same I didn't want to be the only one that couldn't eat those sorts of things. So I ended up making myself really ill by eating a lot of the stuff that I really shouldn't have been eating. Um, and then I kind of came to my senses because I put on a lot of weight, felt very uncomfortable all the time. And I went through a patch where I had cut so much out that I was basically subsisting on rice and celery. And I would only eat in the evening because any negative effect then would be gone by the time I got to morning so I could go to work and function fully and um, and then, you know, have my meal of whatever it was in the evening, whatever it was that I was trying at the time. And um, I was looking for symptoms uh, such as racing heart, such as sweating, such as cloudy head, um, not being able to think and lots of kind of weird and wonderful symptoms that didn't really make sense in terms of any pathology which is clearly now I understand why I was being dismissed because there was nothing really in inverted commas wrong with me that it was a functional um, illness rather than a, a structural or pathological illness mm -hmm. and so that kind of continued into my um, early 30s and I found a diet that worked for me my tummy was working well uh, my life improved immeasurably and then of course I started down the wanting a family route which one does in one's early 30s if mm -hmm. not before and I then found that um, because I've I've had also um, concurrently uh, um, concomitantly to use the medical word had uh, endometriosis which is also a very difficult very at that stage certainly little understood condition um, which ties with the autoimmunity of celiac um, and uh, I then found not only did I have this affliction that that took over half my life really because ovulation pain and period pain were quite debilitating um, again to be dismissed largely I then decided I needed to um, go and have some fertility treatment go and because I obviously wanted to start a family and time was running out so I went down the track of um, IVF and I did three rounds of IVF and it just was not going to happen and um, so I my body felt terrible my head felt terrible I couldn't think I put on weight I felt very ugly very unattractive and not able to function in the world really mm. um, and which is a common a common thing uh, with people that have these kind of hormonal disturbances and hormonal treatments and that the end result was um, my husband and I divorced and we 
ended up um, being friends, but you know there, there was a, a, a big gap. And then of course, when I met my current husband, um, I did get pregnant, but unfortunately, I only carried the. I was only able to carry the baby until seventeen weeks, for no histological, pathological, or other that could be found at that time reason. Mm -hmm. So again, I went down the track of well, if I'm not going to be able to have a baby to cure in inverted commas my endometriosis, which often it does um, because yeah. of the cycling of the period it does cause a reset mm -hmm. uh, kind of like the circuit breaker that everybody's been talking about recently mm -hmm. um and if that if i wasn't going to be able to have that then i was going to have to find a different way myself and i am very much one of those people that well if you can't help me or if you world can't help me i'm going to have to help myself so i dug my toes in started reading again um and actually, I decided that my life was not working for me. I had very high power, very high stress, very, very well paid uh, job that um, meant that I was eating out four or five nights a week and not doing much home cooking. But my life, my work life balance was terrible. You know, I'd get up in the morning um, at five o'clock to go to the gym. I would drink half a pot of coffee to wake myself up and get myself going. I would work all day, really pushing myself in all sorts of ways, um, and then get home at seven or eight or nine o'clock at night, absolutely exhausted, down half a bottle of wine at least in order to relax myself and then repeat the process the very next day. Wow, and this sounds very <laughs> challenging. <laughs> well, and because of the types of jobs that I've always done before I became a naturopath, um, that is the kind of world that I that I lived in. You know, mm. you work hard, you play hard, um, and it was just killing me. So I decided at that point, I think actually the universe inter intervened. I was just going to say, isn't it amazing how these things reach a point where we just can't continue? Yeah. Well, I was just thinking that's what had happened. So, yes. Yeah. So the universe intervened very nicely. Um, I, my lovely ex-husband said to me, if, if, if money was no object and if you had six months to live, what would you do right now? Mm. What would you do? How, wh how would you change your life? Um, and I said, well, if you put the six months to live part aside, um, but if money was no object, I'd go back to school and I would learn to be a naturopath. I didn't know about osteopathy really at that point. Um, and so that's what I did. I mm -hmm. uh, negotiated quite a um, large severance package with my company that I was working for. And um, and that I did. I signed up to naturopath school. But of course, I, I signed up to naturopath school and turned up to naturopath school wearing a suit and carrying a briefcase to all the, of the, to much to the amusement of all the, what I at that point called all the hippie trippies who were sitting around in their feet shoes knitting their own muesli. And um, so, yeah, so at that point, that was a huge change for me. And uh, over the next kind of four or five years of studying and experience, um, apart from the fact that my mind was blown in the first week, um, it just changed my life completely. So by the time I came out of naturopath school, 
um, my body was much more willing to be pregnant, even though I didn't carry to term. Mm -hmm. um, my life was much more in balance. Um, my life was, my body was much more aligned. My attitude was much more generous and much more loving towards both myself and other people. And, um, and I think the lessons that I learned and the friends that I made at naturopath school um, basically have been able to carry me through to what I now try to do for other people, which is do actually what other people did for me. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, because it's like all those experiences I know you bring into your work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I think there's a part of me that is, I kind of feel a bit badly when somebody comes to me with something and I say, oh, I've had that, so I know firsthand, um, because it sounds as though I've had almost everything. But when you have an autoimmune condition, there are so many knock-on effects, both hormonally, particularly, but also physically and also mentally, mental emotionally, um, that all tie together. And, and that's one of the things that I think I like to think I do really well and I like to think that people come to me for is the ability to look at well yes okay that's your physical but actually have you considered that if you made a small change here or there to your nutrition or to your daily lifestyle or to your choices um, that you could that that could have such a huge impact on the way that your life works right now and I think that apart from being incredibly grateful and incredibly fortunate that um, I had the opportunity to do this, which not everybody does, um, it is so important to have a look further than just, oh, I've got a knee pain, um, let's go and see somebody who can fix my knee pain. Absolutely. And I love how you use the word such small changes can have such huge impacts because it's so true that just a small tweak, as you say, in a diet... Uh, and particularly with your knowledge and understanding behind all of that can actually have a really massive impact on the body physically. Mm. What areas um, do you find you particularly specialize in or what areas do you find people come to you um, predominantly with? Um, I think when I was younger, when I was in my childbearing years going towards um, trying to find answers about why I couldn't carry a child, I think more... Um, younger women were attracted to me and less and less older women and they tended to be um, women that had either suffered sexual violence or trauma um, and there were lots of emotional issues surrounding that um, so I think people gravitated towards me that had those kind of things within their picture um, more recently as I've got older um, and of course, you know, perimenopause and menopause is quite real for me at the moment, um, even though I'm, you know, I'm a bit older uh, than a lot of women. The, um, the symptoms that we get that are really not talked about um, have become one of the things that I kind of try to, I suppose, I, I hesitate to use the word normalize mm. because there isn't really a normal 
But what I would encourage women to do is to talk to their friends particularly, but to talk to other people and and do their own research about what is happening. Because everybody talks about hot flashes Mm. and everybody talks about um, turning into a harridan and, you know, being grumpy and being out of sorts and being emotional, um, which obviously are recognized hormonal imbalance type symptoms but they don't talk about things that make your life a misery like um, loss of libido or um, vaginal dryness or um, changes to your digestive system Um, and you know those kind of things that can make a huge difference for example you know um, when your hormones diminish a lot of women suffer constipation in a similar way to the, the way that they do when their hormones are changing in pregnancy and it's so simple to take a, a tablespoon of psyllium, which is kind of the texture of sawdust, in a large glass of water every single day of your life. I've been doing it for years and um, it, it gets around things like piles, like um, you know, discomfort passing the stool, like um, any of the other kind of associated dietary lack of fiber things um, that can really make you feel grumpy, bloated, toxic, um, and just just not yourself really. So, you know, a small change like that can have a massive impact on somebody's life. And of course, if you are cleaning house, which is what fiber does for your body, um, then it, it means that your body is able to function better and it means that your liver can work better, your digestive system can work better and you don't have this grotty old stuff sitting around for days that your body, because your colon's function is to reabsorb water, you won't be reabsorbing any of the toxic material or um, I, I actually hate the word toxins, but hmm. the, the the material that one doesn't need, which is why it's in your colon in the first place. Um, and it's such a small thing and anybody can do it. So yeah, it, it's those, it is really those small things that, um, that can make a huge hmm. difference. Sorry, and my, that's okay. That's okay. Cause I was just thinking my experience of, of um, coming to you also, and I'm suspecting this happens a lot with your, your patients, your clients, um, is that there's so much more than the treatment. So, um, you you know, something like that would come up and you would recommend to somebody to have that supplement here, yeah? because I know that supplements um, can play a really important role, yeah? And there are ways that people can be on medication and the supplements can support them and... Absolutely. And, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. And, and the, the biggest question, I suppose, that I get asked, and I have actually been for a few years, is are supplements really necessary? Mm. And the the short answer is, um, even if you, so plants can only suck up what's in the soil mineral wise. Um, And so if your soil is completely depleted, even if you fertilize it with organic horse poo, if the horse ate the grass that was grown from soil that is depleted, the minerals are not getting into the soil for the plants to suck them up. Therefore, uh, and, and that doesn't even take into account that it's harvested on a Monday, it goes in a cool store for three days, it goes onto the van on a Saturday, it arrives in the supermarket on a, the following Monday, so already we're a week late, then it sits in your, you go to the supermarket and buy it, that's another day, and then it sits in your fridge for another three or four days before you eat it. So a lot of those 
nutrients will have started to degrade by you know 10 days after it's been picked so i think unfortunately um while i'm not a fan of just throwing supplements left right and center um at people i i do think that there is a good case for um people to be taking supplements now and because so many of us are medicated for so many things um that obviously affects how we absorb things so again there's a good argument for supplementation for example so many of us take um antacids in mm -hmm. one form or, or another and that then reduces your acid environment in your stomach which then reduces your ability to both absorb b12 but also to produce intrinsic factor which can only be produced in an acid environment which enables you to absorb the small amount of b12 from your food that you will be absorbing so um and again it's not as simple as just simply taking a b12 supplement um under your tongue or because the amount that you're absorbing and the way that you absorb it it has to be under certain conditions so um you know there are there are nutrients that need to go with your b12 in order to enhance your absorption um and things like um I mean, we were talking uh, last time we had a chat, we were talking about antidepressants. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so many people are being prescribed antidepressants at the moment. And so um, they're often told that, they're, that they shouldn't be taking some of the supplements that would normally treat depression or anxiety. And while there are definite interactions between some herbal um, remedies, some supplements and some medication, and it's always wise to check, um, there are lots of supplements that can support the use of medication, whether it's antidepressants or whether it is um, uh, antacid or whether it's, um, you know, diabetes, diabetes medication, whether it's insulin or metformin. You know, mm -hmm. there are plenty of ways to support your body. And again, um, I, can I can remember one person very, very early on in my practice she came to me and I really wasn't sure what to do with her. She had the smell of somebody who whose kidneys were struggling. Um, she had this complete exhaustion, lack of energy, etc. And I said to her, have you thought about taking a multivitamin? And she said, well, no. And I was terrified because I wasn't really sure what was going on and I didn't want to recommend something that was going to make her worse. And, um, you know, kidneys are quite delicate things especially if they're tied up with diabetes um, and so I suggested to her to take a multivitamin and come back and see me in six weeks so I was postponing the inevitable for her oh, sorry for me because that would give me six weeks breathing space to do a bit more research um, and do you know she came back six weeks later and all she'd been doing was taking that multivitamin and she gave me the biggest hug and she said, Poppy, you have saved my life. Wow. So, and that's not, I'm not telling you that because that makes me amazing, but just to illustrate and mm. demonstrate how yeah. a small mm. um, change. A small tweak can actually have such a massive impact, yeah. And I want to ask you, because I know when I was introducing you, I brought in about the osteopathy as well. So do you want to say a little bit about the osteopathy? Oh, I can't say the word. Osteopathy. <laughs> sure. Um, so one of the things that I 
found, particularly with the fertility issues, um, was and particularly with with endometriosis, um, but also with things like PCOS, things like hemorrhoids. Uh, sorry, not hemorrhoids. Um, gosh, perimenopausal brain. Myself now. Um, I'll come back to that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those kind of pelvic congestion type conditions. Um, they can't be cured and and you know i would be very foolish if i claimed to cure anything um but what i what i do tend to do is use visceral osteopathy which is basically working with the the guts basically in most of those cases um because if you think about it if your spine is not functioning well it means that the nerves can't function well it means that the muscles can't function well. It means that the lymphatics can't function well. And so what you end up with is um, nervous nervous tissue that is not able to conduct the messages to muscles that are not able to move because they are either congested or they're not getting sufficient blood supply to um, organs that are not able to function well because the nerve message, brain, spine, gut isn't working mm-hmm. um, or is not getting there and so you've got this whole kind of congestion and i know that naturopathy was bang on about liver um but from an osteopath point of view if you're looking at the structure because structure definitely governs function and equally function governs structure so if your guts are upset chances are you'll have a lower back problem if you're low, if you have a lower back problem, chances are you'll have a, a lesser function in your gut, your digestive system, or your um, your reproductive system, depending on what's wrong with your with your back. Now, osteopaths for years have been looking at n- not whether your back is straight or not, because anybody can have a straight back, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee good nerve function or good fluid exchange. But what we look at is the function of your body and whether that fluid is being exchanged well. So again, down to the small things. If you do deep breathing, and I I hesitate to say exercises, but if you place your left hand just above your pubic bone and your right hand just where your ribs split and try and breathe sufficiently deep to move that left hand above your pubic bone, that and there are obviously anatomical and um, physiological processes that will say um, that, you know, that will contradict what I'm about to say. But largely, um, with those few exceptions, it's almost physically impossible for your sympathetic nervous system, which governs fight, flight, freeze, to operate at the same time as your resting, digesting, repairing nervous system, because you can't run away from the toothy monster and have good digestion. You can't do your deep breathing and repairing while you are running away from the toothy monster. So um, our bodies were designed so that the function of the parts of our nervous system are not, they're not mutually exclusive because there are many cases where they do have to work together. Um, But largely it's not physiologically possible to be in a state of high stress, high anxiety 
at the same time as be doing deep breathing. So once you've perfected the art lying down of that deep breathing, you can do it anywhere. You can do it standing at the sink doing the dishes. You can do it in the supermarket checkout um, queue. You can do it at the office. It doesn't need a massive amount of practice before you get into that. And that is one of the things that can bring you from a level 150 anxiety down to a 90 or a 95. And that just may be enough to take the edge off to allow you to function or to get back into your groove um, that will then allow your body just a little bit of breathing space, sorry for the no pun intended, um, <laughs> to, um, to to get you back to, to functioning much better. Absolutely. I agree totally. I mean, breathing is something I talk about a lot because of Kundalini Yoga. And of course, breath work is massive in there. So I couldn't agree with you more. When I discovered breathing properly, it transformed my life. But it's also going back to the osteopathy, mm. the, the, the lymphatic pump, which is part of your waste disposal system. If your um, diaphragm and which is the kind of top of the box and your um, pelvic floor muscles, which are the bottom of the box, your posterior abdominal wall, which is all your back and muscles of your back and your um, abdomen muscles, which are the four kind of sides of the box. Um, If they are not working well, every time you breathe goes up, every time your diaphragm goes up and down, increase of pressure, relaxation of pressure, um, that's basically what moves your lymphatics along. So if you're not breathing correctly, physiologically, you're not getting rid of your waste in the most optimum manner. Mm. So therefore, again, it can sit around, it can not quite fester, but, um, you know, it can sit around and, and you won't be functioning, you won't be feeling great and you won't be functioning optimally. Yeah. So, yeah. So which is where the, the two sort of marry together so beautifully. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, um, you know, most most osteopaths are known for backs and necks. Mm. Um, and yes, of course, I work with backs and necks but mainly for the re- for all of the reasons that I've just talked about. And I tend to try and stabilize somebody's back and neck or, or the, 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 the bit that they've come in with and then talk to them about what the possibilities are because I'm not the kind of osteopath where you come in, I whack you, crack you, um, get you straight and then send you out the door. Um, if that's the kind of practitioner that you want, that's not me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I also acknowledge that sometimes, you know, it isn't the right time for somebody to be addressing everything all at one go. So I think, um, and that's where I, I try and say, let's take it a step at a time, because yes, we need to get you functioning well. Yes, we need to give you the nutrients to um, to enable that functioning to happen. But also, we need to look at the other things that are happening. You know, if you're desperately unhappy in your job or your marriage. Um, or if you have uh, family members undergoing chemotherapy or any other serious illness, you know, there's so many emotional components Mm. to an illness that without addressing that, at least in some way, um, you, you just won't get to the root of the problem. And one of the beautiful things about osteopathy, um, certainly the way that I practice it is the ability to release some of that emotional stuff from the body which then allows the body to function better 
So then it becomes that virtuous cycle rather than the downward spiral um, that everybody seems to be in. And, and once you are able to release some of that from your body, and again, it's amazing how the small things, the small changes um, can have such a huge impact on both movement, enjoyment of life, pain reduction. Yeah, it's... Mm. Can you tell well, I love my job? I can, I can, I can. And when you were talking about it just then, I almost had, I could sort of visualize like sort of undamming something or like sort of pulling a plug on something. And it's like, and then it clears and goes through. And and that is almost exactly what happens. Mm. And And at the same time as kind of undamming something and letting the blood flow into the body, um, what we're also doing is not looking for the disease. Anybody can find a disease. Um, one of Dr. Still, who, who was the founder of osteopathy, one of his sayings was, any fool can find disease. What you need to find is the health. Mm -hmm. So we're looking for the healthy tissue. We're looking for your body's remembrance or, or, or um, memory of health and take that and try and spread that through the rest of the body rather than focusing on the disease. So um osteopathy is a is an amazing discipline and it has it, it's it's multifaceted we are in effect i think it was rumi who said at the top of the breath before you go into the out breath that space that silence that gap is where the magic happens and that's what i'm looking for as an osteopath is that stillness mm. within which the most profound change happens um, and so I, I suppose I, I try to be the fulcrum for that change to happen at the same time as being the witness and the facilitator, because mm. the body has to pick up and run with what, um, what it's offered. And the best way to do that is through memory of health. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that feels like a really, um, perfect place just to draw this to an end really and and just finish on that positive note because it just I love that and I love that 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 Rooney quote with the little place of stillness um because it's so it's so true yeah yeah so um Poppy if want, people want to find you and um and I'm sure plenty of people will want to find you after hearing that incredibly passionate and um informative description of how you work how can they find you where will they find you? Um, I have a website. Uh, it, you can find it at www.ensure-health.com. Mm -hmm. um, and on there it explains various um, bits of information about how I work. Um, you can contact me by phone, although I have to be honest, if uh, text or email is better, my, my phone number is 07437-835-065. So I'm happy to receive text messages. And my email address is osteopathpoppy at gmail.com. And the only reason I say text and email is, is easier is because if I'm with somebody, I can't obviously break off to answer the telephone. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is, because I'm quite busy, uh, if I don't get back to you immediately, it's not because I don't love it, it's because I'm just busy. Mm -hmm. And just to clarify, Ensure Health is E-N-S-U-R-E. And uh, Poppy is P-O-P-P-I-E. 
That's correct. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's great. I will also put links onto the podcast um, for people so that you can find Poppy if you would like to find her. But um, I cannot thank you enough, Poppy, today for joining me. It's been absolutely magical to have you here. And I feel I've learned so much as well. It's been absolutely wonderful. So thank you very, very much indeed. You're um, most welcome. Anytime. Thank you. What a wonderful and insightful talk from Poppy. And I would like to thank Poppy McLaughlin so much for joining me on this podcast. Just wonderful to hear about the mind-body soul connection which is yeah just so so important and also so very relevant with these podcasts thinking beyond the negative mind because so often we are ill we have recurring ailments and things like that and and we often you know we keep going to the doctor and and, and nothing seems to change and i just love the way poppy works in that she can do something like the cranial osteopathy or or with the supplements that can actually really shift something so if anything resonated with you or maybe you have a recurring pain have a feel into it and and have a have a think and see if there is an alternative perspective to look at it and yeah i would really encourage you to do that certainly through um actually it was through my kundalini yoga training really that i first started to understand the energy of the body and the language that it speaks to us and it it really is magical so thank you so much again for listening